This is a podcast by The Straits Times. Hi, I'm Olivia Quinn. And I'm Harianto Diman. Welcome to The Straits Times, the big story podcast where we analyse key issues with our journalists and guest experts. Well, with vaccination programmes underway worldwide, calls to resume international travel are growing. Earlier this month, Transport Minister Ong Yi Kang said bilateral travel corridors for selected vaccinated travellers may well happen in the second half of this year. While governments are exploring ways to facilitate international travel, for example, the bubble between Taiwan and Palau, which was announced last week. While Singapore doesn't have a travel bubble with another country just yet, here are our current travel arrangements. Well, there's the air travel pass, which allows all forms of short-term travel, including for leisure. Visitors from selected countries have to take a swab test upon arrival and can go about their activities after they get a negative result. We have several reciprocal green lanes as well for short-term essential business and official travellers. There's also the periodic commuting arrangement between Singapore and Malaysia for longer-term travel for work and business-related travel. Then under the Connected SG scheme, a limited number of business, official and high economic value travellers from all countries will be able to enter for short-term stays of up to 14 days. In addition to regular PCR testing, these travellers have to stay within a bubble at appointed facilities where they can, where they can conduct face-to-face -face meetings with locals. Travellers from countries not listed in the graphic so far have to serve a 14-day quarantine and take a swab test before the end of their quarantine period. We've also been reading about the Taiwan Palau travel bubble announced last week. There's also a possible Australia-New Zealand bubble and Singapore is reportedly in talks with Bintan and Batam for a leisure travel bubble as well. So what model can work for Singapore? Well, to take this discussion further, I'm happy to welcome infectious diseases expert Professor Paul Tambaya. He's a senior consultant at National University Hospital as well as president of the Asia-Pacific Society of Clinical Microbiology and infection welcome prof with different bubbles being set up which is the best model for singapore to follow you think yeah personally uh, i'm not optimistic about travel bubbles because they depend on the local epidemiology which can change very quickly you know what happened in like thailand and cambodia where they had almost no cases and then they suddenly have a lot of cases um frankly i think the best approach is what singapore is doing for the malaysian cargo drivers you vaccinate them uh, and then once 14 days have passed after the second dose, then you allow them in. Um, currently, they still have a limited itinerary, but, you know, this is the potential. And, and I think this is the future, see, vaccinating in a, in a controlled environment where you're sure you have the quality of the vaccines and, um, and then uh, taking it from there. Right. Well, I'm under the impression that a safe travel bubble with islands are easier to put in place simply because, you know, they're smaller with less porous borders. But from your expert point of view, is that necessarily the case? I don't think so, because, um, you know, the reality is with the notable exception of the Ebola outbreak in 2014-2015, when there was a lot of uh, movement of people across land borders, uh, most of the uh, travel-related infections are airborne. You know, people go on planes mm -hmm. uh, and the planes don't care whether you're an island surrounded by water or not. So, in fact, the, the Zika outbreak, which was uh, two pandemics ago, um, that is thought to have come from some of the islands in the South Pacific and spread to, uh, to South America. So, so just because you're an island doesn't mean that you're intrinsically protected. I, I don't really think so. 
Hmm. Well, for bubbles between two cities, though, are vaccinations a surefire way to kickstart travel again? For example, you know, China has a vaccine passport. Well, I think so. And uh, the reason why I think so is because it, it works for, for other diseases. You know, like, for example, yellow fever. Yellow fever, if you want to go to Brazil or you want to go to certain parts of Africa, you need to get a yellow fever vaccine. Uh, and, and this actually is very important because the mosquito which spreads yellow fever uh, is the same mosquito which spreads dengue. And, and you know, dengue is all over Southeast Asia. So if somebody was not vaccinated and they bring back yellow fever to Southeast Asia, it could be devastating. But that hasn't happened. You know, people have been worried about that for 50 years, but it hasn't happened because of an effective uh, vaccine regimen using the international health regulations. So, so I think the future has got to be vaccine. Okay, we've been focusing on our residents uh, traveling abroad, but when it comes to welcoming uh, overseas tourists, what are the considerations, Prof? You know, among other things, do we first have to ensure that the majority of our population is vaccinated? Well, you know, if we look at it the other way around. If we, if we say that nobody is allowed to come in unless they are vaccinated, mm -hmm. then the risk to the local population is not great. But you can't be 100% sure that everyone's uh, vaccine will work. And so what we're doing is actually, I think, pretty sensible. We're vaccinating the high-risk individuals, uh, cabin crew, people who are working in the harbour, people who are more contact with travellers. So these people are already getting vaccinated. Um, the other side of the coin is um, mandating vaccination for travellers. And I know the WHO has not uh, uh, said that this should be done. And that's partly because not every country has access to vaccine. But, you know, with, uh, like, for example, the Hajj and the Umrah, Mm -hmm. uh, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia mandates meningococcal vaccine and influenza vaccine. So you can't enter the kingdom without uh, documentation that you have been vaccinated with uh, meningococcal and, and influenza vaccination. So, so I think there are precedents and, and these are things the airlines are familiar with. So, um, so again, like I said, I'm, I'm a believer in uh, vaccination for the future. That was an SBH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast.sbh.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times, The Business Times and Money FM 89.3.